0: We have an awesome young couple who has been serving with us for uh, about nine months now. And um, Kaylee, we first met um, as a group of young gals who were Coming here to the church from the Bible College to serve in our children's ministry on Sunday mornings, and uh, did just a great job, super gal. Um, and and then you know I teach a Bible class, a Bible College class out there at the school. And um, last spring I taught um, so 2016, first and second Samuel, and um, had this guy in my class um, named Leif, spelled. L-A-F-E. I think I called him Leaf for uh, <laughs> a long time. and um, But uh, really, really, I mean, there's always a couple of guys in my classes that stand out. And Leif was one of these guys. I mean, he was one of these guys that every time he opened up his mouth and shared, it was just gold and just super um, blessing and encouragement. And uh, so we started talking and hanging out. And he uh, shared with me that he had a heart to you know go into ministry and be a church planter and so invited him to come and intern with us and uh, he's like I said he's been doing that for about nine months now and in October um, they're going to be heading out to Wilkesburg Pennsylvania where Kaylee's from to start a church and I'm super excited about that and tonight Leif is going to share with us uh, the word that God has put on his heart for our body so would you please welcome Leif Isaacson. (laughs)
1: So like Rob said, I'm Leaf, and I've been here (laughs) for quite some time. Um, But yeah, so I'm an intern. I've been here for a little while, and I have a beautiful wife, Kaylee, and a little chubby, bald, blue-eyed daughter in the nursery right now, and that's such a blessing. Um, But tonight, I want to talk to you guys about the rock-solid foundation that we have with Jesus Christ, the unshakable foundation that we have with Jesus and you guys don't need to turn there, but I want to start in a passage in Matthew chapter seven. That's at the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in verses twenty four. If you guys want to turn there, and it says, "Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and this is Jesus speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock." And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And so we're going to dive into what Romans chapter five, one through five says is that solid foundation, that unshakable rock, these necessary truths that we need to be reminded of daily in our walk with the Lord. And when Ben Corson was here, he, he pointed out something. He said something that was so profound. He said, how you perceive God is how you receive from God. If you think that God is a genie, you're only going to go to him when you want something and you're only going to be thankful when he gives it. Or if you think he's this tyrant lording over you, you're always going to be cowering in the corner. You won't want to serve him because you won't know him as a good, good father. But something that's equally as important is how does God perceive me or how does God perceive you biblically in truth? And that's what we're going to go into today. And while you guys turn there, I'm just going to pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for this awesome opportunity to come and hear from your word, and hear from your spirit. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak to people tonight in a way that I didn't even think possible in such a a deep way, and that as we wait upon you, the men and women in this room would just exhort one another. In your name we pray. Amen. So in Romans, at the end of chapter 4, in the context of Romans chapter 5, it's, it's talking about justification. And Paul, by the Holy Spirit, he, he's talking and he uses this beautiful illustration of Abraham being justified by faith. And justification, for all of us who might not know, is in the most basic form, just as if I didn't sin. But then it goes deeper than that. It's also being declared righteous. We now have a right standing before God. But then the most basic term for a a child to know and somebody with a PhD, we're innocent before God now. And that's what justification is. We're now innocent in the eyes of God. And in Romans chapter four, verse 23 and 24, uh, the Bible reads, this justification is not for Abraham alone, but it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And now I'm going to go through and read the passage that we'll be studying tonight and getting a good understanding of this unshakable foundation that we have. Romans 5, 1 through 5, if you would follow along with me. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit to us. And this verse, chapter, or verse one, starts out with, therefore having been justified. And this is the first brick that you lay on top of the foundation. So the foundation, we all know, is the gospel. We have Confess with our Lord, confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe in our hearts that He raised from the dead that 's the foundation we know that the cornerstone is no doubt Jesus, and that 's where all the weight is laid upon that 's what everything rests upon this precious cornerstone that we have, but then there 's these bricks, and this is just me being from a construction background i 'm going to turn things into simple illustrations so we can all get in and it 's easy for me. but this first brick is justification and something that's super important about this verse is it says, having been justified. This is something that's happened in the past. When you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you feel innocent before God or not, this is the truth about you. You're right standing before the Lord without a doubt, unless you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, which there's going to be an opportunity for that later on tonight. But at the moment of rebirth, John chapter three, when you've been born again, you were justified in the eyes of the Lord. And you might say, well, I don't feel justified, life. Like I always have this condemnation and I apologize. I hate to lace a little rebuke into my first opportunity up here. But do you think Abraham felt like sacrificing Isaac? We don't live by feelings or sight. We walk by faith and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross for us. And now we're innocent and we need to claim that innocence. And that's that first brick. But then we go on. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this second brick is that we have peace with God. And in the Greek, that word peace means prosperity, peace, quietness, or rest. So now we get to sit and prosper with God, get to have rest with God. I'm so excited to get to heaven, not to ask God a question, but just to finally sit on the couch with him and hang out with him and not have to feel like I'm striving. I just get to rest with him. I get to be at peace with him. And this isn't a treaty or a ceasefire type of peace. And if you're involved in what's going on right now, a treaty you can pull out of if you don't feel like you want to be in it anymore. That's not this, and it's not a ceasefire. It's not waiting for the other one to pull their gun back out. No, this is an eternal peace with God, an everlasting peace with God that's only going to get better through the stages of life and the best when we make it to eternity with him. And God never says, if you do blank, I'm not going to have peace with you anymore. That's not our God. That's not our Jesus. This peace is not dependent upon our actions, or my actions. It is an eternal peace because Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he died for us 2,000 years ago before we were even born. Our sin was weighed upon his shoulders 2,000 years before we were even born. So he's not surprised when we sin. He's not like, oh my gosh, he did it again. Leif, come on, dude. That's not That's not our Jesus once again. And a little illustration that the Lord gave me is, For us older people, I'll throw myself into that category. I turned 30 in October, but what? So you might remember from the late 60s, early 70s, I'm not sure, I wasn't present then. um, There was a picture of a hippie putting like a daffodil or a daisy in the gun of a National Guardsman. You guys might be familiar with that picture. And before you go assimilating with the hippie, that's always God. God is always, always, always extending a hand of peace out towards us. The dove is always coming down. He's always coming with a wreath of peace for us. God always is reaching out towards us and we're the ones that are like, but I'm a sinner, God. Sorry about that. I'm a sinner, God. You know, like, how can I have peace with you? But we have to, we have peace through faith because we've been justified. Since we're now innocent, we have peace with God. There's nothing that can hinder God from extending his hand of peace towards us. And then we read, we have this peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's so beautiful to be a part of a fellowship that our motto is on our buses, our vans, our billboard out front, simply Jesus. Because that's it. It's the grade school answer to everything, Jesus. We have this peace because of Jesus, through Jesus, because once again of what he accomplished on that cross. Faith is the mortar because Jesus is that cornerstone. And then verse two says, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope through the glory of God. Paul says, through whom also, in addition to. So now we're moving on to this third brick, this third crucial brick to our foundation so that we will be unshakable. So God will liken us to a wise man. And it's access by faith. And now in Greek, this word means Admission. We have admission or access, and once again, this is an eternal access and admission. This isn't a United flight. We're not going to get dragged off because they ran out of space. We're not going to. They're not going to run out of the table. God's table isn't going to run out of seats. He's never going to find somebody else to take your seat. This is an eternal, everlasting access. And now we're able to boldly enter the throne room of grace because we have peace. But you can see that if we don't have peace, how are we going to run to Jesus? If we're not justified, if we're not innocent, how are we going to have peace? You can see these stacking stones. And this isn't a a five-point plan to get to Jesus. This is what his word says, how he wants us to come to him. And we have access by faith, faith, belief, and trust that God's blood covers all of our offenses. Like the end of Romans chapter four said, we need that. We must have faith in that. And now we come to God because we are at peace with God, but we have access by faith into this grace. So what is this grace? We know that grace is unmerited favor or God's riches at Christ's expense. It's something we don't deserve because of what we've done. That's true but this grace is justification and peace. Besides faith, besides taking God at his word, we don't deserve this. There's nothing that we've done besides believe in the son. That's all we we have is our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's in which we stand, in this grace in which we stand. We no longer cower. We no longer hide. We no longer have condemnation. Though it may creep up, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the question is, we have the ability to stand, but do we stand with Jesus? And standing is, sometimes I could portray, you could portray standing as prideful. But standing in grace before God is a posture of confidence in Christ Jesus and his accomplishments alone upon the cross. And now we get to rejoice in hope of the glory of God, we get to rejoice. We get to boast that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. And someday I will be in glory with him. Amen. And not only that, Paul says in the next verse, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. And Paul says, and not only that, as if that wasn't enough. Now you're able to boldly access this throne room of grace, which you don't deserve, but now you're justified. You're innocent. You have peace and you have access as if that wasn't enough. And then he throws you in a tailspin. Now you glory in tribulations. You rejoice in the pressing. That's another way of saying that you boast when the world is pushing down on you, when the walls are creeping in is when the world is trying to conform you into its image, we rejoice. When our marriages are falling apart, when our children are running away, when our jobs are terrible, and they're making fun of us for being Christian, and maybe in the future when we're persecuted, we rejoice. But why do we rejoice? And Paul gives us this almost like a mathematical equation, knowing that tribulation produces There's a produce of tribulations, perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. So we glory in tribulations because tribulations are productive. God is not a wasteful God. He's not just allowing you to wander through life, going through hard times and tribulations and trials. There's fruit. There's a produce. There's a product of it. And so that's the the fourth brick. God has a purpose in everything, especially the hard times not just when you're in his rest, but when you're going through it, when you're going through the thick of things. And another little secret hint that Paul put in there, he says, but uh, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Do we know that there is a purpose in the pressing? Do we think about that while we're in the pressing, that there's a purpose to this? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Do we know that the juice really is worth the squeeze? And then Paul goes on, no, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And this, this last and final brick, hope. I want to pause and talk about hope for a second. Hope is a common theme. Hope's anchor, our high school group, they're meeting right now. And they're getting poured into, and Aaron is no doubt always pushing hope. Look forward to, God is coming back for you. And Ben Corson, Hope Generation, a huge ministry of just pushing hope, because that's something that the world mimics, but they don't really have. And hope in just the basic definition of the Greek means an expectation or a confidence. But when you throw that into a biblical context, it's a hope or, expect or a confidence or an expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's coming back for his church, or he's going to protect you, or he's going to provide. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the soul sick, but when a vision But when a desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life for those who who deal sometimes with depression or, you know, somebody that's dealing with depression, that light at the end of the tunnel sometimes is getting smaller and smaller and they're pushing out hope. And that just makes that light at the end of the tunnel so much smaller. But when a desire is fulfilled, when the Lord does provide, that's a tree of life. Because then we're walking around telling everybody the Lord provided. And then they're like, the Lord did it for him. He'll do it for me too. And then there's fruit bombs getting dropped on all these people. And it's just encouraging. And then Psalms 42, 11, the, the psalmist says, why are you cast down O my soul and disquieted within me? Hope in God. The psalmist wrote a sermon to himself. Reminding him that hope is the only thing. Hoping in God is the only thing that can get me through this. And then Romans fifteen thirteen, And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in times of plenty or rest, but we're supposed to be filled with joy and hope and peace in believing all the time. We believe that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Hope does not disappoint. We're never going to regret hoping for something that God has told us, something that's in his word. If I hope for a Maserati, I'm going to get let down. I'm a security guard. It's not going to happen. But God also hope is not a guarantee for God's will is that all would come to repentance And we can hope for our brothers and sisters, our family members to come to Christ. But realistically, it just might not happen. But we will never regret hoping and praying for our family members and being witnesses and salt and light to them. It will never disappoint us. Because the love of God was poured out into our heart abundantly when something may happen that we didn't expect we can look back and say, you know, but the Lord poured out his love in my heart and now I'm being transformed in a new person and I'm being used by him. Abundantly and exceedingly, the Lord's love has been poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And that us is, is us, those the, the body, the believers, the people in the church. It's not everybody. It's only those who have been filled with the love of Christ who have called out on his name, who have confessed with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in their heart a a transformative belief in their heart. And as we go into a time of worshiping and waiting upon the Lord, I would challenge you guys. Maybe you don't feel justified. You don't feel innocent. Well, give that to the Lord. Trust his word. Start now having that solid foundation underneath your feet start that now. Or maybe there's somebody on the opposite side of the room that is at peace with God, but you're not at peace with them. Or maybe somebody outside of this building. I challenge you to talk to that person. Be at peace with them. Be at peace with them as much as it depends upon you, Romans 12 says. Or maybe you haven't been justified. You're confident that you haven't confessed with your life and you haven't fully believed in your heart and given yourself over to the Spirit's redemptive work well then pray with anybody next to you ask the lord into your heart confess your offenses and invite him into your heart and so with that i'm going to pray with you guys and then the worship team will come back up and rob and we'll wait on the lord jesus i thank you that you said it is better for i to go that i can send the holy spirit the helper Lord, and your spirit is no doubt knocking on the doors of hearts, wanting to burst its way out and exhort and encourage the brethren tonight. You're going to put things on people's heart to encourage the brethren, what Ephesians says. Lord, I just pray that there would be redemptive work by your spirit and by your spirit alone, and that we would walk out of this sanctuary a little bit different and a little bit more firmly planted on that rock and that cornerstone of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And in Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Thanks, Leif. Good word, brother. Um, Love that. Justified by faith. We have access into the grace by faith. We can have this sense of, of purpose in the midst of the tribulation, and the key word he meant, you know it's mentioned here is knowing. Again, another faith aspect. You know, I know God is working, I know that he who began a good work in, in me is gonna complete it. So am I gonna believe that? Again, faith. And then again, just in, in rejoicing. And I and I want us to rejoice tonight. And the fact that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And again, it's grabbing a hold of that and believing that. And so tonight, let's rejoice. Let's just begin. And I'm going to ask our uh, uh, elders and pastors. Leif, would you be a part of this too? Um, who are here tonight to just go back by our communion tables. And if you need some prayer tonight, right at the very beginning. Maybe you've been wrestling. Maybe you, you know, you can't get over the fact that, you know, well, I don't feel. And he said so well. We don't walk by our feelings, but by faith, not by sight. And and, and so tonight you want to just come and get some prayer that, hey, I, I, I want to grab a hold of, you know, who I am in the Lord and what he has for me. And I want to press in and I want to enter in. Um, the guys will be back there. Um, Um, to pray. But let's rejoice. Let's begin tonight just rejoicing in the fact that because of what Jesus did, we are justified. We have access. We have a hope. We can know that God is doing a work and we have a purpose. Amen? All right. So let's go for it.